going on down there. Aaron, welcome to WTF at TCG. Hey, uh, been a bit. Yeah, uh, welcome, dear guest Aaron, to WTF at TCG. It's a podcast where we talk about the TCG. Uh, yeah, I figured that from the name. Um, you, have you? By the way, were you at TFCon? Did you see the great panel that I did with the guy about the TCG? How to get into it? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. I was sitting right next to you, Chris. That's, yeah. It's, you're way behind on getting videos up, so that may be why you've forgotten. Ah, uh, you know, it's it's been a while. I just I remember that great PowerPoint slide. I remember the part where someone also I think thought we were from Wizards and started asking us for Wave Three spoilers. Yeah, um, that was fun. And before I made up a whole bunch, you cut in and said we don't have any. Stomp, for stomping all sake. over my fun. Well, guess what? Now we what? do. Uh, but before we talk about that, we're also joined by Drew Nolosco once again. Hello, Drew. Hey guys, how's it going? Good to be on the show again. Yeah, welcome back. Uh, it's it's going all right. Uh, we got got some some positive Canadian news related to the game basically today uh, from the coalition of Toronto retailers, <laughs> uh, and we've also got a whole pile of news uh, for the world because y'all basically are moving into your wave three push. Um, that seems pretty exciting. That we are. Oh, I have been dying to show this stuff to the world for quite some time now. We've been working on this actually much longer than than you guys might have imagined. Um, the coordination with Hasbro has been pretty intense. Yeah, seeing all of the siege, uh, basically like artwork and style um, showing up is was quite a surprise. Uh, also, seeing little dudes who turn into guns uh, made me think of a conversation we had with you guys some months ago. And it's another one of those ones where I, I'm just, I'm trying to think if I could have heard the, 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 the moment of silence that might've said something way back then. You know, I try really, really hard to uh, keep a, a neutral tone and a neutral face. Uh, but you know, there, there was a conversation that, that I had with you guys that was pretty spot on, I think. <laughs> Yeah, um, we're we're not gonna like break down everything because the spo- you know the the wave three reveal happened a little while ago, so we're pretty sure most folks listening to this are aware of of a lot of the new stuff, and we've got some new new stuff to talk about. Um, but I have one quick or two quick things before we get into the wave three stuff. If you're up for it, yeah, let's do it. Uh, number one, uh, this one is is uh, is basically on, on behalf of the community. Uh, I, I got to throw it out there. Uh, is it is it time yet to find out what your wave one tanks deck list was? Oh my god! Um, I still, I still <laughs> that. I'm not saying that we got to know it right now. I'm just I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. So it was. So the the thing that was that was unusual at the time about that deck was a lot of people have sort of found the deck or very similar. But the the key thing at the time when people were talking about decks is is I was running an all blue tank deck, mm-hmm. and a bunch of the tank decks ended up getting there. But the idea that you just basically sit back and do nothing but be the you know the def- maximum defense was where a lot of tank decks have ended up. Okay. Um, but I, I was running that a little bit earlier because you know I have the benefit of foresight. Let's just call it. Yeah, there's some cool updated tank stuff coming up. Okay, cool. I have, I have a couple. I have a couple general questions. Once we go through uh, through the spoilers, the other one is I was going to mention. I had I had two great ideas to start off this this discussion when we set up this this uh, podcast, and you guys basically took my thunder twice. One of them was going to be 
uh, hey, if I would you say if we looked at a, a list of the the siege uh, toy line, would that basically be like a character list? And then you dropped one of the spoilers you dropped on us, uh, so that kind of solved that. Uh, the other one was, hey, uh, no pressure. Did you guys see that infinite combo deck? But then today, you guys completely took my thunder out on that one. Hey, uh, want to talk about that one for a bit? <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah, like I, I will say, like. I would direct our listeners if they really want to see a lot of details like that note you guys dropped. I super appreciate how much detail you went into in there, especially with all of the alternate solutions, because one of those was the one I was 100 percent behind. Uh, And speaking to someone who was 100 percent behind it, um, which was just limiting the number of extra turns. I really appreciate that you guys went in there and also explained why that didn't do enough. Uh, I'm, I'm used to in my brief time with Tabletop seeing errata's bans and restrictions being a kind of. A list of cards, and then often a couple nebulous statements, and that's about it. Uh, I felt there was a, a lot of transparency here, and uh, that was really above and beyond. So I want to say thanks for that. You're welcome. That transparency is super important to us. Um, we want people to know why we're making pretty important decisions like this. Um, and the specific reason why we didn't go for the um, uh, limiting the, the, the extra turns is because while that would have limited this specific iteration of... A degenerate combo. Mm-hmm. We were concerned about future iterations if we left the engine intact. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. uh, what we really needed to do in order to provide longer-term stability for the metagame was kill the engine. Um, yeah, I had not considered the sheer the sheer I guess meat of swap parts in that combo until the note had laid out. It wasn't just that it was swapping a couple things. It was taking two fully equipped specialists covered in specialist things and switching those around, uh, which kind of opened my eyes a little bit. (laughs) And, and if we left the engine intact and just nuked this specific deck, and there's a few variations of this deck, there's a deck, there's a version that we have that we made of the infinite combo deck that adds a little bit more burn to try and burn through a Torox. Mm -hmm. Um, but there, there's, um, you know, every time that we add a specialist card to the game, it would have added new options for this engine to do new types of degenerate things. So yeah. by killing the engine, we still have the freedom to make cool specialist-related cards, and uh, that's really important to us because specialists are, you know, one of the three main types of character breakdowns. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, in in the long term, uh, it definitely creates like a, a neat moment in the history of the game. I know that basically it even said so in the, in the note uh, on Facebook. No one seemed to really think swap parts was going to be the one card that did it. Uh, and so now we, you know, we once had the Sergeant Cup in joke. Now we have the swap parts in joke. Yep. <laughs> um, I already saw someone like banding around like, hey, what are we going to call the pre-swap parts b- uh, ban format? What kind of eternal name? And then I was just like, let's call it the swap parts format. Like, <laughs> you know, fully immortalize that poor card. Uh, uh, we're going we're, we're to encase one and lose sight and stick it on the, w- the windowsill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, just here's, here's my last little thing on that. I'll also just say that card always had it coming because every time I played it, anytime anyone played it, I'd always have to stop the game and go like, just so you know. There's no swap going on in that artwork. First Aid's giving him something. Uh, he's not giving him the hoverboard. Like, spoiler hey. alert. He's hey, th- maybe he is giving the hoverboard. Maybe that I- just happens in the next panel. <laughs> maybe just, he needs the hoverboard to go help other people swap parts later. I was like, this is just a misleading ploy for Tailgate to get more presents, because everyone thinks if they give him something, he'll give him the hoverboard, and he never does. <laughs> this this card was degenerate from the start. Uh 
But yeah, I, I think that you guys handled that. I think you handled it pretty well. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of community discussion going on. I told Aaron, I think it's kind of, it would be weird for me to start discussing my thoughts on the community reaction with you guys, like, sitting right in the room. But it's it also seemed like you guys did a ton of playtesting outside of just that one deck list. Uh, was that all done in, like, the space of that last, what, three weeks? Yes, we did a crash program on this. Um, okay. And a bunch of people spent a significant amount of time, um, including some folks, uh, you know, Lucas Letzinger uh, jumped in and, and gave us a lot of help. Um, other folks from the Duel Masters and Magic team um, jumped in. When we have a, a kind of a critical thing like this, we want to make sure we get on top of A, we get on top of it quickly. B, we understand the problem completely, which is why we ended up not going uh, for, for example, um, changing the definition of swap, mm-hmm. um, and that see that we able that we had a solution that was did minimum harm as it fixed the thing a very sort of Hippocratic oath solution. Yeah, okay. I mean the paragraph that laid out that you guys want to keep things like you know Thundercracker swinging in for twenty or, or you know cha- like chained brainstorms all kinds of crazy stuff like a lot of that to me cleared up a lot of a lot of uh, the easy follow up questions. Um, you know, like, is this you know, the broad strokes responsive? Is this just punishing a clever combo and laying out like, you know, those three kind of golden rules of the game and how this specifically was running in, in, uh, conflict with those golden rules helped me out a lot with trying to figure out why I felt like this, there's a lot of discussion with this deck initially of like, how is this different than, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, and I was, I kept thinking like, well, this deck is obviously different because it's infinite, but that's kind of a broad strokes answer. Uh, laying out how it, it conflicted with the goals of the game, I think, was really helpful for me, at least. And, and that that was our purpose, and I'm glad that that came through very strongly. You know, one one of the key things to uh, for us is this is a two player game, and people have to take turns. So mm. there are there are all kinds of things that you can do in this game that are crazy and may result in in, a, in, a, in you killing KOing an enemy character, and then the other person gets a turn. Um, and mm. so, in some extreme situations, you'll be able to take an extra turn. And then the, the person takes a turn after that. Um, and that, that was pretty important for us to preserve. And then secondly, we want to make sure that, and this is why we didn't do, um, like let's say we could go back in time, swap parts would have been a different card, right? Like there would have been some different design elements. Maybe we would have put it in set two and it would have cost stars, as an mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important for us to minimize the dissonance between what you read on the card and the quote truth of what that card says and the transformers team gets to make that choice for our game and it's it's not something like there's a blanket company statement at watsi that we must all or keep our games performing this way and the transformers teams values that um very strongly particularly as we're a new game if you read the card it does you know what the card does um so that's why we did show that's specifically why we chose not to errata the card because it 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 obfuscates what's going on to someone yeah right and like like it's my personal uh feelings like i'm kind of glad it didn't come down like there there the type of errata i would have been okay with was one that was a very broad strokes one about extra turns a specific card errata like i can deal with it for one or two cards but mostly due to like my own poor memory once there are like a number of erratas on a lot of specific cards it becomes harder for me to kind of remember all of it uh Exactly. And, and so even though I, I'm, I'm not against erratas, like I appreciate the notion behind not wanting to alter what's written on the card. Um, 
like in general, I feel like no matter how one responds to this, like whether or not one agrees with it, at least it's clear where you guys were coming from. We know that not everyone's going to agree with our decision because people have different priorities for their own play. And that's right. cool, right? Like we all come into this game and all of our games seeking different things at different times. But we wanted to make sure that the lay of the land was as clear as possible in as few words as possible. And that definitely went into our decision-making process. Yeah. Would it, would it be a somewhat correct train of thought to think that uh, given that it was like a three-week crash course of work, it's not likely you guys are going to be actively seeking a band solution uh, like constantly? Because, I mean, obviously one of the reactions is like, does this mean, you know, card bands are a thing now? With the amount of work put into that note, I got the impression that this was a lot of work that you probably don't want to be doing constantly. I'll say two things there. No, we're not. We don't look out and seek to ban cards on a regular basis. Mm. In general, we prefer to a catch this kind of stuff earlier in, in the design process and B, if something doesn't fall out of those boundaries that we're setting, um, you know, those, those three philosophy statements that we have, um, it, it, things that the metagame can deal with internally. Like, that's one of the cool things about trading card games is if something's getting powerful, most of the time, there are, thing, there are, there are other deck choices you can play to deal with that. But right. in this particular case, that's, there was no other deck choice that, that solved it. Um, yeah. Once we figured out how the deck could beat the Torox uh, opening the game on the other side, uh, there was there's no coming back from this deck. So that's why we had to take the action. And, I, and I, it also gives me a lot of confidence in the future of this game, because the first thing I thought was, okay, if Torox is the answer, how long until we figure out how bulletproof an answer he is, how much testing will you know various voices in the community have to do? And then it turns out you guys all did that testing in a super-duper crash course. So Yeah, and uh, I will say that the <laughs> extreme amount of commentary from the community was helpful because we looked at all of it. I mean, you, you guys were playtesting this as you know while we were, and that was a valuable resource for us to help make the right decision. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron, I, I forgot, did, did you have anything else you wanted to throw in about the infinite combo? No, it's uh, like, I, you know, along with what you said, I think the only people I've seen terribly negative reactions out of are the types that are like, but I found a way to guarantee a win every time. That just makes it boring for everybody else. But that means I win. And it's like, you know. That's that's a little bit outside the spirit of the game. <laughs> right. It's not you're, not you're not playing solitaire while holding somebody else hostage. You're playing a game. Well, and legit props to, to the guy who created, like, the specific deck list in question. Like, he seemed quite set on, like, I don't actually want this deck to be, like, the one deck that wins the game. I just made it because I could. And I made it to show people it's possible. Like, it didn't seem like he was, like... Um, protective of keeping this thing, you know, legitimate. So I, I forgot who it was that, that came up with the list, but I wanted to give a quick shout out for that too. Uh, yeah. I, I appreciate when someone comes up with something like that, but then says, "Also, I'm completely fine if this is dealt with." Yeah, props <laughs> that player for his uh, his uh, her deck building skill. Uh, that was mm-hmm. that was a pretty a pretty innovative take on how to approach the, the metagame and yeah. You know, that was awesome. And, I, and I, I hope they can live with the fact that they, you know, were the one who put the gun to the side of the head of swap parts and uh, that its ghost will haunt them for the rest of time. Um, anything I, I think actually I was going to say anything else about it. I think that that basically covers most of the infinite combo stuff. As I said, dear listener, if you haven't, please go read the note and explanation um, that, that these folks put up on Facebook. Uh, it is really comprehensive, uh, far more comprehensive than I honestly was expecting. And it, it left me quite satisfied. Moving on from there, we, we, we do have some spoilers. We've got two characters, a battle card, and then another character. 
technically three characters three and a half characters um it'd be two and a half That's two and a half characters two and a half three and a half <laughs> uh let's uh, let's start off with the one that i was talking about first um which is alpha trion uh cybertronian sage now this is the one where originally i was going to ask you guys uh could one look at the siege toy line and kind of guesstimate most of the character list from there uh but then you drop this alpha trion uh on me and aaron whose artwork looks quite a looks very much not like the Siege packaging artwork while staying in the style, uh, whose robot mode looks a whole lot like an Alpha Trion that came out a couple years ago. Uh, this this seems like it's original art as opposed to uh, shared packaging art. Am I off course so or the, on course with that? This art, this art is, is a sort of half and half. It is a modification of some Hasbro library art to bring it into the style of the world of Siege. Okay. Uh, and one, one of the things that we did with Siege um, in in our collaboration with Hasbro, because we've been there pretty much from the beginning, um, is uh, we put out so many more character cards um, that one of the advantages of the TCG is we can show all the other characters who may not be able to make it into a toy line. Mm -hmm. So we worked with Hasbro to show, uh, to include a whole bunch of characters in their sort of Cybertronian or Cybertronian-ish look and feel as it, so so you can see what they're doing and where they are in story of, of war for cybertron siege okay okay so this is very interestingly uh, alpha trion i believe is the only character in war for cybertron siege who does not have a military title because he is sort of the uh this is not the um this is not the son of primus version of mm. alpha trion this is the um the ancient sage autobot sage sort of okay characterization of alpha trion yeah. Oh, that's cool. I, I mean, I, I was also going to ask about all those military titles uh, once we got to another character, so I'll, I'll bank that one. Uh, I, just want, I want to stay focused on Alpha Tron for a sec here, because uh, this dude, is a, he's, a, he's, he's 11 stars, and if I were to ca- encapsulate him, uh, he's kind of like, he, he the way his abilities and, and flip powers read is it's kind of like a slightly less scary version of Optimus Prime Battlefield Legend. You know, it's entirely possible that Alpha Trion taught Optimus Prime everything he knows. Yeah, and and then Optimus being younger is able to do it a little bit, you know, faster, a little bit more frighteningly with his youth and all that. Um, but yeah, Alpha Tron, when you flip to his alt mode, you can return an orange action from your scrap pile uh, as opposed to any action. And when he uh, attacks in robot mode, uh, you can play one of the blue pip actions you flipped as opposed to any action you flipped. Obviously, that also w- runs with the fact that he's 11 stars instead of 13 stars. And I think that's pretty cool as far as like that concept you just said, like that, that clicks with me. It makes a lot of sense. Also, uh, this, this seems like a way to, to have that play style, perhaps with slightly less of the inherent guilt one might have running Battlefield Legend, um, just on anybody at their local gaming space. Um, and, uh, this, this guy also brings in, I, I just want to mention the spaceship tag once again. He sure does. I, I don't I don't want additional spoilers because we have plenty to talk about. But uh, if you're able to say so, is this the set where spaceships uh, get a little bit of, uh, of spaceship love or are they still just chilling out and, and adding to the list? It's possible that there might be uh, some spaceship love in this set. All right. All right. Just bouncing off that. Any, how, how are helicopters and motorcycles feeling? Um, <laughs> um, I, I'm going <laughs> to. One of those I have heavy interest in because it keeps me fed. <laughs> um, you know, there there might be some 
some helicopters and uh, or motorcycles in Cybertronian versions of those in the set. But uh, mm. uh, you're going to have to wait and see for for support for that. That that was that was probably the deepest um, flathead screwdriver into the crevice of the <laughs> locked door I'm going to be going for in this one. Uh, oh, you're not. You mean you're not going to take that opening and stick a? Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I could also keep hammering on the door until not, I get taken out by not, security. Yeah, he's, I, he's got to rope a dope you a little bit. He's got to make yeah. you feel secure and then go for it again. But thanks for calling it out. So I will uh, here. I, I will. I will say this: there is there is a particularly favorite spaceship support card in this set that also features Alpha Trion in. Whole new arc. Okay, cool, okay. cool. Because um, also, I mean, I, I couldn't help but notice, you know, that super rare shockwave also being a spaceship, and then my boy from Wave One, shockwave being a spaceship. There's a lot of spaceships. I'm kind of waiting to just drop on people's heads. And it's one of the themes of War for Cybertron Siege overall. So you can you'll see spaceships show up in both one and two. Hmm, goody. <laughs> Um, Aaron, I, before we like, I kind of, I kind of bulldozed you a little bit. Uh, and you know, aside from helicopters, uh, helicopters are basically like spaceships, but within the atmosphere. Um, how are you feeling sure. about Alpha Trion? <laughs> um, well, the thing that I think is neat about it is it, you know, it, it, it's a thing that when I first saw it looks to be trying to, to draw more people into balanced decks, uh, between orange pips and blue pips. It seems like so many people's strategies out there are, if you're not leaning hard one way or the other, what's the point? Oh, and, yeah, you definitely. Can, and you can use inverted to cheat if you have to, which is what my like Blitzwing RC thrust deck kind of did. And I think that trying to make something built, you know, to utilize Alpha Trion better, you're going to have to be balanced or else you're not going to get those benefits. Uh, you are. And then one of the other things I want to point about Alpha Trion is specifically his lower star cost in mm-hmm. relation to um, he, do, he interacts with action cards, gives you some options to do this type of, of uh, play, but also includes star cost action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, obviously, star, star cost uh, battle cards seem to be the ones that are also the new location of the multi-pip data bank, basically. Uh, like, we're, in Wave 2, we saw, and we're going to talk about one in Wave 3, Um Multi-pip cards definitely are still happening. Uh, they seem to, as of now, and I, and I agree with this approach, like be confined to star cost cards to prevent like some ludicrous decks, uh, and also I think to to kind of keep Metroplex in a certain level of check. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But that that definitely, now that I think about it, like the limitation, quote unquote, right, of, of which pip type to use, technically doesn't apply to a multi-pip card that has orange and blue on it. So that's interesting. So uh, yeah, that is that is one of the rares. That is actually that's rare number one. That's character card number one in the set. Mm-hmm. I only just noticed that. Yep. Um, so I, I guess bouncing off that, let's talk about the other character card we got here because I, I was told that you really wanted to talk about this fella. This is uh, character card another rare number thirty two Raider Needle Nose, the Air Force Soldier, uh, and this is a fella. As this was described to us, this was you guys getting a chance to really specifically work a character into the siege style for your own purposes, as opposed to just playing off what the toy line's doing. Yeah. And so this is, this is all new art. And one of the things that's pretty cool about, um, War for Cybertron siege one and two is that we worked with Hasbro to reimagine uh, some number of the characters as all new art in specifically what their Cybertronian forms are. So you guys mm-hmm. might remember needle nose from G1. He was a, uh, a jet fighter. Uh, but he had some, he had a very specific body form in his alt mode that was very different from a lot of the other G1 fighters. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> and so we 
when we made the Cybertronian style jet, we pulled in a lot of those aspects. What his name, you'll know. He has this at least in this G one version because it's his G two version was much more of like a jump jet. Yeah. Sorry, his his not G two his um. He was a special repaint of a Combiner's Wars, Wars character. Oh, yeah, the club yeah. version. Sorry, I, I was defaulting to a Cyberjet in my head. I've... Yep, that was the, those are the only two times that he's shown up as a as a, as a character, as a toy. And so going back to that G1 version, um, he had the Delta wings, and he had a sort of very prominent nose and tail. And so we, went, we took some of those elements in, and um, uh, in, as part of the redesign, showed what a Cybertronian Trijet version of that alt mode is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's also kind of neat to to run with the theme of um the Decepticon jets having this sort of uniform tetrajet silhouette that is then altered depending on the character. Mm-hmm. There's also a, looking ahead to Siege Part Two. There's a particular favorite of mine um, where we go with a a non non fighter jet plane version of what that tet, that tetrajet look looks like. Oh man, mm. a tetra truck. No, 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 it's a plane, oh. it's not, it's, <laughs> but, it's a, but its G1 version was not a fighter jet. Ah, okay. Um, so, yeah, this was really exciting to be able to do this. And then we made some updates to his bot mode to reflect these specific changes. Like his wings are, you know, just, just to, for alignment for what the character look at, at a very detailed level looks like. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, this was super exciting for us, um, and it really represents sort of the pinnacle of us syncing up with Hasbro in the creation of this game um, cool. in that we are able to do, do where appropriate and with Hasbro's, um, you know, the Transformers team's input. Uh, and I just want to give a shout out to some of the folks over there, uh, Matt Clark and John Warden and Chris Nadeau, um, uh from the various creative groups of visual writing and toy have been uh, absolutely fantastic partners as part of this entire creation of War for Cybertron Siege. Oh, and, and and it's it speaks a lot to I guess like the confidence behind the game uh, from the Transformers team side as well, like like integrating this much without making it feel like the toy line or the card game is being utterly dependent uh, on the other side, um, like you know sy- syncing up with Siege without relying on having a whole bunch of you know pack in cards as well or something like that. Um, also, I'm I'm I don't want to poke too much about it, but I'm I'm very curious about this whole Siege 2 thing, but I'm guessing we're going to find out about that in a few months, several so, months. <laughs> uh, here, let me say this. Now that you know that it's not restricted to the toy line, mm-hmm. imagine what we can do when we're working with Hasbro on broader palette. And yeah. Yeah. So we broke the toy line up, sort of kind of roughly in the story order, um, kind of taking input from that, taking input from... Um, you know, the, the waves in which the toys are released. And then um, we got to show in both this set in Siege 1 and Siege 2 some really cool things um, that sort of broaden the world of Siege. Okay. I, I mean, the the um, the military titles thing definitely feels like it's, it's trying to flush out, like, um, at least like a sort of broad ranking system. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. That actually exists in the toy line. When you look, it, it's the, it, except it's done in glyph form, in, not in words. Like oh, you, yeah, yeah. When you look at each Siege package, right on the front in, in the toy package, there's on the left-hand side, there's the, ver- the name of the character, and then there's a glyph on top of it. Right. That glyph is these words. So this is a this is a bit of a specific toy line-related question. I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure this is a no, but 
in the in the packaging, they're also doing a whole lot of weird stuff with blacklight ink. We did not take part in that. No. Okay. You guys I'll should poke them. I'll put my blacklight flashlight back then. <laughs> you guys should poke them and, and get them to lend you some of that blacklight ink. Uh, you know, it, it, <laughs> I had a very brief moment where I was going to say, like, oh, there's one card. And it's like, a, <laughs> no, no, we did not. There's one card. Quick, guys, get that card. <laughs> no, we did. There's no blacklight. Hit, there's no hidden hidden messages um, or symbology on on the TCG. Okay, I mean, if you were to sneak one in, I would definitely say, like, if you could sneak in some glyphs that, when translated, read R.I.P. swap parts, that would be pretty cute. Um, on that that note, the the one other thing about those titles, this is just where my brain goes. I'm sure you guys are already locked in on stuff, but at some point, it would be great if you guys could get some just really, like, uh, unglamorous titles in there, like Janitor, or... Uh, I don't know, like one on one of the mini cons or battle masters, like one of them. This may be just like a broom or something like uh, that. <laughs> like pick a character you really don't like and I'm just trying, give them... How do I say these things without spoiling what stuff is? <laughs> I like how I say, "Can we have a broom?" and it leads to, "How do I not spoil things?" <laughs> so I will say, I will say this. Um, you, there's another card that you that we haven't gotten to yet, but. Um, a lot of characters who were previously target masters are now battle masters, right? Like, mm-hmm, right. Um, that is the new term for those for characters who were originally released there. And there are some cool things that we get to do with that. All right. I hope, by the way, anyone listening to this who is maybe writing things down, like, like take note of that, so that you know, in three to six to eight months, when this all like swings around, we can piece together what he's talking about. Because uh, that's also one of my favorite things about these discussions we have. Um, just going to Needlenose specifically, uh, going to his abilities, obviously his theme is he's the first card I've seen that is really specifically like rewarding you for using battle uh, or starred battle cards. Uh, whereas that's, like, in, in Wave 2, the, the use of them often feels like something you have to accommodate. They are the focus. Um, your deck is making room for them to the point where sometimes decks come together and you're just like... I would make room for a star battle card, but I like this deck layout as it is with these characters. This is a character who is straight up saying, no, please use star battle cards. Um, right. Yeah, I, th- I think this will definitely aim more specifically for, like, instead of building the characters out and then I've got two stars l- of value left, specifically trying to build light on your 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 character cards so that you've got space for star cards. Yeah. And I, and that's very much what the way we wanted to to roll this out. Like you know some some abilities you roll out the the new ability and the support stuff with it. But star cards are 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 a fundamental part of the game. Um mm-hmm. we just didn't introduce them in the first set. So we put them in the second set, let people get comfortable with them and then we're going to we'll roll out things that interact directly with them over time. It it's just an ongoing part of Transformers TCG now. Yeah. And and obviously, Needlenose is also saying, uh, you know, for the sake of of future sets, and because we know of, about the Ultra Magnus armor, he's saying stars or cards that have exactly one star. Um, okay, okay, the flathead screwdriver's out again. Um, are there a couple of multi-star cards in this set? Uh, you know what? I don't want to spoil that one. I will say okay, that all, okay. that you know, Ultra Magnus armor you can only play on Autobot, so that's not going to interact with Needlenose in the game, right? Yeah, for sure. Um. I mean, there are ways you could make that interact, but uh, yes, there is the, the the future of the Transformers TCG includes uh, more uh, two star battle cards. 
and, and then only because of the battle card we're looking at and the way that that kind of caps a long conversation we had over these last few months, is the door at all open to a three-star battle card, or is that getting too ludicrous? I think the door's open. Um, okay. It's certainly possible. But when, when you look at how they scale, um, I think that card would have to do something super, super uh, big. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would probably have to be fairly intimidating to fall on the table. But if, if the door's open, that's the main thing I'm curious about. Um, looking forward to the 10-star battle card. Uh, arm wrestle yeah. your opponent, and if you win, you win the game. But yeah, uh, Raider Needle knows. Uh, the one other thing about him I'll mention that I just noticed in the artwork, it's just, it's just a cute thing. I like that he has asymmetrical guns. Uh, it's a reference to the old toys twin target masters. Yep, so uh, Zigzag was one of those guys, and... You know, we we do not have those. Uh, Zigzag does not appear in this set. Okay, I, I'm pretty sure someone was going to ask ask that in the comments, so uh, that covers that. Um, Aaron, anything about Needle Nose? Anything else you want to throw in about him? Did you actually say what he does? Uh, yeah, he's okay. Well, yeah, you flip to his alt mode. You can uh, grab a one star card from your scrap pile into your hand, and then when you play one in his bot mode, uh, you do one direct damage. Um, which is, uh, I'm already trying to think of ways to break it, but it's really just Brainstorm. Bolt for four. I mean, that's the, right, the basic way is bolt for four. Yeah. Which is brutal. Given I, yeah. I've been trying to run a slipstream grapple deck because they both like to just see lots and lots of pip colors. Uh, and once I got grapple's ability to go off where I dropped four cards and hit someone for, or, you know, dropped four pips of cards and hit someone for four damage, and that felt pretty good. It had a lot of setup. I'm into the idea of just having to play a card and doing that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the 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 Bolt thing seems, like, solid. I, I think also playing Leap of Faith and also just pinging someone for one damage when you do it, that's that's really properly cheeky. I'm kind of into that. Because um, Leap of Faith is already pretty brutal to deal with. And it's like, by the way, bop. I hit one of your characters on the nose. Right, like, it's, it's all about the value there, because you're already getting some extra value. In terms of yeah. relative yeah. power with his star battle cards, and here, if you can start maximizing that, like his his ability on his alt mode to get a specific star card back, allows you to, to like not having to wait through the full deck cycle can be super powerful. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I mean, you know, basically, if you if you have a deck set up where where you don't really need to flip everybody after after a couple turns, needle nose can just chill out and four damage bolt people over and over again. Exactly. Um, which is pretty funny. Uh, but and I mean, especially because, like, you have him bot mode, bolt, flip, pick the bolt back up. Yep. Guess what's yeah. happening next turn. <laughs> yep. And depending on how you set that deck up, you could even be doing something, uh, running a chain a chain brainstorm turn to do all of that in, potentially in one turn. Gross. And I also I really it. appreciate that, he, that, that he's got one defense, so when that bullseye does fall on his face and no one's there to help him, you can get that really satisfying, just like punch to the to the jaw. <laughs> right, like this... he has a very specific function in in, in the game and that is not providing the. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and just going from that, let's let's go into the last character before we hit that battle card. Um, we've got one of the battle masters. Uh, this is Raider Nightstick. Uh, I just noticed he's a specialist battle master that explains that extra star. Uh, I, was, I was curious about that. Um, and with the battle masters, uh, in brief, like they start in bot mode when they get KO'd, then they flip to upgrade mode. I have a quick question because I, I just was curious about this. This really is a rules roundup one, but I'll throw it at you. Um, when the upgrade leaves the battlefield, goes into the KO area. 
It's in its KO mode. Okay. You can't can't flip it back. Okay. So you can't I still function that thing back into existence. That's correct. All right. That was a big question that me and a bunch of people had was, are these guys infinitely recurrable uh, after death? No. They are not recurrable. Because these guys also like if that's if that's the case that suddenly makes uh, wave two's card that that utility that protects your other upgrades that suddenly makes a whole lot more sense to me. Yeah, that's correct. That was the, the that is a great card if you're playing battle. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Nightstick he's got the that kind of battle master stat line. Uh, they all they, I don't think they all have the same stat line unless I'm missing something. But it's it's yeah. around the range of like two six one. Like that's that's a battle master stat line as far as yep. we've seen. That there that is. That is, I guess, average for Battlemasters. Yeah. Okay. Um, but with the bonus of being a specialist, which is pretty darn good. Uh, and then he turns into the Black Bleem. The, wow, it already what, happened. What? The what? It already had the, you know what? It, in City of Heroes, there was a thing about Bleem. Anyway, sorry, that was Freem, not Bleem. Bleem was an, em- an emulator. But uh, the Black Beam Blast. That's really hard to say. The I bl- thought you were the alliteration <laughs> guy. Picking perfect fix, pal. I, I heard you stumble on that one. I don't know what you're talking about. That was Skype issues. That's not. Uh... Um, is there going to be like an organized play prize if someone can say Black Beam Blaster like 14 times in a row? Like I don't gonna... know, but the next time I see you guys in person, we're definitely going to have a Black Beam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> a Black Beam Blaster off. All I'm going to say is I hope everyone's noticing how Aaron's just quietly staying out of this. Because he knows his limits. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just stir it a little bit and I just step back. Uh, so the Black Beam Blaster <laughs> is a plus two attack, plus one defense weapon uh, when the upgraded character attacks. And you flip at least two black pips. Your opponent has to uh, scrap a card of their choice from their hand. Um, the black pips, by the way, this is where we can you know, briefly mention... Yet another pip color. I loved that your guys' note immediately got in front of the idea of uh, a new pip color literally every single wave and how that would not jive with the limitations of the basic color wheel. Yes. Um, no, we are, we are building up to the status quo. We yeah. are not just randomly shooting off new pip icons because we need to fill space. That's not the, that's not the way we're doing it. We, don't, we, we want to aggregate onto a, a point of comfortableness. And uh, we're, we're pretty close. And it fills in a, a, a gap I had been noticing in the game of Pierce. Pierce was always sort of confined to being a secondary um, bonus, if that makes any sense. Like, rarely did I see a deck where it was like, the deck is Pierce. It was more that Pierce was there to either support the weaker characters. Pierce was there to mess with Jazz. Um, Pierce was there to chip away. But, uh, like, Pierce pips suddenly makes me think about pierce a whole lot more in that it's not entirely dependent on inherent abilities or upgrades yep um and that that's pretty cool like i I was telling aaron before the recording having said all that like i'm only just starting to adjust to green pips i'm not even sure what black pips are in practice yet in psychology yet (laughs) but it's it's fascinating and i I like that pierce is getting some love because i like i like pierce even though it's it's by far the weirdest rule that it's the weirdest simple rule to explain to a new player i found Mm. yes um and that's one of the reasons why we didn't put these pips out in the first couple hmm but um yeah the the black beam blaster uh is is definitely enjoying pierce uh and it seems like it's all like whenever I see something that lets you discard a card, my brain immediately says, "Oh, it's one of Shockwave's friends." Um, even though now we have two Shockwaves, uh, 
It's still Shockwave's friends. Yeah. It is still Shockwave's friend. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a Wave 1 Shockwave boy. Um, I'm, I'm actually quite stoked that you can run double Shockwaves. Yes. Uh, that, that makes me happy. <laughs> double double Shockwaves is pretty fun. I like that it, it feels like whenever you guys have the chance to accommodate a deck of just one guy, uh, the star counts always end up aligning just right. If it's possible, we do like to do that because it it, it is a nice little nod to people for whom that character is their favorite, yeah. like the triple Bumblebee deck or the double primes. Um, but well, not that double primes, the, the, the actual double Optimus primes. Yeah. Right. But yeah, it's it's a nice little thing that we do where we can, but it's not an overriding. We don't. We would not like specifically try and force that to happen if it's not now. Oh yeah, yeah. I I just, I just like that it, it exists because I mean, once you actually like, I've run I've run the the wave one Bumblebee deck and and it's a fun deck. Although like once you run it, I, I find like the one thing you notice is the gimmick is that they all fit in the deck. There's not really like this unified, you know, cross character synergy. That's extremely overt outside of they're all cars. Um, in, so, in, I, in general, those are never going to be the best decks. Because yeah. Char- right. Char- characters tend to want to interact with other characters, dissimilar things to mm. unite to a better purpose than, than have three guys that are basically the same similar spaces in the game. Although shouts out to uh, to TCG rollout, I am still a proponent of double star screams. Uh, that was one of the most surprisingly fun kind of dumb decks I've ever run. I agree. Uh, <laughs> that deck is, is a lot of fun. It's a real goofy deck that it, it does really well <laughs> until about the third act of of a of a match with somebody, and then suddenly it's like, oh wait a second, <laughs> my my star screams are dying. It, it feels almost in character, you know, that a double star scream deck would hit hard out of the gate and then eventually lose. Um, I still love it, but uh, yeah, Nightstick, uh, Aaron. Uh, once again, I'll, I'll pass over to you. You got anything you want to throw in about uh, Nightstick or the? Oh, what's what did he, he turn into, Aaron? How do you? The Black Beam Blaster. Look at you show off. Look at this show off, friggin' engineering technician helicopter man saying all the fancy words uh yeah precision and language is important uh no i i like seeing more um things like weapons that give a bonus to defense or when you have you know things in other slots that protect the other way yep um to add like value or different ways to build you know i think it'd be interesting uh to see you know Armor that gives a, a bonus attack that is off of something like this as well. That just it it gives a different flavor and kind of feel to it uh, on top of just being like more shooting, I guess. Yep, and that's uh, that's part of one of the reasons why he he costs a six star as mm-hmm. opposed to five. And also, that's very specifically why this card design was done with Nightstick as the character because Black Beam. Uh, weaponry in Transformers always has had a disorienting effect as part of it. Mm-hmm. And we represented that two ways. One with the discard. Oh, okay. If you can get the black beam to actually hit, uh, right, the double black pips. Right. And then secondly, it provides defense, and that's one way we sort of interpret that disorienting effect. Okay. Cool. I know it's in character and all that, but um, also I think it's funny that he is the black beam blaster that reacts to black pips, and I was wondering if we could also have the blue beam bazooka and the orange ray rifle. I will get Ken Nagel on that. (laughs) Okay. It can be the red ray rifle if we want to keep all the alliteration going. 
I mean, we did not make up the name Black Bean Blaster. That's existed in Transformers lore for. I know, I know, but it's so it's it aligns so perfectly in a very blunt way with the mechanics. It would be just funny if we could. It, it truly I, does. The the blue beam bazooka would. Sorry, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna erase all the words. The 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 blue bomb bazooka would uh, would make my day. <laughs> Uh, um, I got I got two more things about Nightstick. Um, right. Nightstick is also another character that's that has been pulled from that way back in the day and uh, has given been given a, a little bit of a Cybertronian redesign. Um, he was originally the target master partner for Cyclonus, mm-hmm. and uh, I just want to mention Cyclonus is not appearing. All right. Uh, if 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 we're gonna if, if if and when you see Cyclonus, he'll be done more on theme with how you imagine Cyclonus might show up. Um, but this particular, this particular, he was so, so right for a, the introduction of black pips that we pulled him in, uh, absent his target master partner. Mm-hmm. Um, second question. second thing I want to point out is who's wielding him. Yeah. The, that that's, that's like a just distinct enough arm shape that I'm, I'm not sure. I've actually, I've actually wondered cause I haven't seen much discussion about, any of the the weapon the uh battle masters in their weapon mode yeah i mean i was hmm. eyeballing one of those hands but i think what like one of the autobot well, the first autobot one that was revealed it was kind of like a, it was just a monocolored hand and I, I couldn't really discern it this one has like some rounded forearm detail inside of a boxy shell mm-hmm. uh which feels like a very toyetic oriented um detail and immediately the problem is the first person i thought of was cyclonus because G1 Cyclonus had a turbine forearm inside of a, a box forearm. I'm sitting there looking at it thinking Astro Train, but like the windows down the side. Sorry. I'm going to remain mum on this whole thing. <laughs> okay. I just, I just want to spark the discussion. I mean, oh uh, boy. Aimless is pretty obvious. Aimless is being wielded by Starscream. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we get his wing and body in there. Some of, the, some of these guys, we only see the forearm of the bot. Yeah. Pay attention to that. I see. I see the top of that. I think like space shuttle tiles, that blue white color scheme, the lines as the windows. That wrist cuff also looks again. The wrist cuff yeah. looks very Galvatrony, but given the line of reasoning for Cyclonus, that to me would nix Galvatron from the discussion as well. I will. I will say Galvatron is also not appearing in this. All right, confirmed. <laughs> it's not Galvatron's forearm. Uh oh boy. Y'all who are listening to this had better start dissecting all of these forearms and these Battlemaster reveals. Yes, n- none of them are random. Oh man. <laughs> However, I believe some of them are characters that only appear to. Oh. That's a wrinkle because now there's this entire siege wave 2 that could Oh boy. Yeah. We need to get the masterpiece level uh early masterpiece level toy deductions going there are some people who are just savants for like transformers forearms and i'm not even really joking when i say that <laughs> no and, I, I agree i guess there's a third wrinkle is that some of the characters have had light redesign to be you know bring them into cybertronian form and that generally affects the alt mode a lot more than affects the, the bot mode but there's some of that in there too and now that i've completely said all this disorienting information i am really curious to see what people because <laughs> what i'll say is maybe we should all be looking at that rounder inner forearm and maybe the boxy stuff on top of it those plates are a result of a cybertronian vehicle mode redesign that that's the red herring 
Oh, this is gonna. There's gonna be Facebook threads. There. You know what? It's not that there's gonna be. It's there better be, or yeah. or I'm gonna. You know, indignantly glare at my monitor because I can't do anything about the Facebook group. I just participate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, that leaves us one more spoiler card, and this isn't. This is a battle card, and uh, this one. Uh, before we even say what it is, it's a star card, and this one. I alluded to this before. This 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 closes another loop. Here is our three pip battle card that utilizes the entire space on the upper right corner. Yep, we designed we designed the three spaces for a reason. This this seems like uh, this is the way my brain works. My brain works in in the direction of what will support my girl slipstream. So this this seems like a super slipstream friendly card. Uh, it'd be a weird deck to build entirely around three copies of this in slipstream, but I'll do it. Um, the card is fuel cash. Uh, it, it's a three pip card. It's an action. You reveal the top three cards of your deck if they include at least these three pips. Put them all into your hand. Uh, otherwise scrap them uh so my first read of this was incorrect but when i first read this card all i saw was if they include the three pips which made me say are there more of these three pip cards uh but that means if they include at least among the three cards the three pip colors that's correct so you must flip inside of those in your in your reveal of those three cards in order to draw put them all in your hand you must have shown a white pip an orange pip and a blue pip in any combination with any other number of pips, but there must be those three. And so, like, like Aaron was mentioning before, like this is another card that's also going to really reward mixing your pip colors. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Grapple, yeah. as you've noted, does like this card. And and also, this feels like we are we are in the long game. This feels like like the like in the shadows, puppeteering all of this from back in Wave One. Cybertonium bow and shock absorbers are just sitting on their their thrones, awaiting their day. Uh, and that is something that we we very much like to do in mind. We like to push things out that m- encourage you to go back and look at cards that you have already collected and how and to be able to create those new interactions. And we, we do it for a bunch of reasons. We do it because it increases the number of combinations of cool things you can do. We do it because so it, it continuously gives value to older cards. Like they're yours, mm-hmm. they're in your collection, they're not going away. And we're gonna and you know, we we put things that say, hey, oh. This old card now has new life because it has a new environment, and that 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 is something we like to do a lot. Yeah, I mean, I I have there there are basically three wave one. Um, I have this wave one pitchfork of these three cards uh, that I always like. You know, every time we see these spoilers, I kind I kind of glance back at them. Uh, one of them collectively, I, I treat them as one card just because they're so alike. Is is Cybertonian bow and shock absorbers. Mm-hmm. The other two points, uh, computer sabotage. It's a card I'm still. That's a card I keep looking at, thinking, like, someday you're going to suddenly make so much sense to me. Uh, and then the third one is a character, which is Deadlock. Uh, those those are my three my three points, basically, I'm always glancing at. I have a quick flathead screwdriver question based off this card. Uh, is this the only three-pip card, can you say? Uh, again, I don't want to say. No worries, no worries. I have to wiggle the flathead screwdriver, or you know, the the flathead screwdriver industry will complain. Um, you know, it's not the the, the 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 last three pip. It's not the only time you will ever see a three pip card. Yeah, I got the but, feeling. But the 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 container where pips go in the upper right is three spaces potential for a reason, mm-hmm. and that's why you see things like grapple who are with four colors. And that, I guess that leaves Slipstream in... I mean, the SDCC Gen Con pack is always going to be in a weird position. But 
that that does leave Slipstream in, in the position of she's able to solely benefit from flipping one copy of this, if I'm remembering her card right, at least. Uh, um, she needs one. Of, she needs uh, three different colors to appear in her attack flip for that robot mode effect. She, she does do well with this card. That is yeah. okay. I'm really happy to see more pip uh, combos, especially with characters like Needlenose implying that there's going to be just a whole lot, a whole lot more declared room. I guess is how I'd put it for star cards. Um, it's making it's 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 exciting. Uh, also. Obviously, if I'm running Metroplex, someday there might be enough of these that it it really makes sense to just run Ancient Wisdom. Uh, and I always forget the other one. I always call it just the Ancient Wisdom combo <laughs> uh, to pull them into the deck. I mean, you certainly could do that. That's that's a I, and I've been wondering if uh, and I I did not find a good version of the Metroplex deck that has that. Yeah, um, but I think I think that there may you know there it may have that you know let's I want to talk about Metroplex for a second because it's really interesting. Wave two upgrades to the Metroplex deck has really, um, really benefited that deck well. And oh, uh, me, me and Aaron yeah. felt that firsthand at a, a box tourney we were at in in LA. Yeah, had uh, I had more time in LA, I would have built an Acid Storm deck just to say no to all the Metroplex decks. Because on, on Friday at, at at TFCon there were there were two box tourneys and two separate Metroplex players took them. Yeah. And I know for a fact because I was the second place in one of them. And I spent this is the the terrifying thing about Wave 2 Metroplex. I spent the whole game thinking I was winning until <laughs> literally the final turn when a clutch force field suddenly cost me the game because I realized, wait a second, my whole team disappeared over the course of those four ultimates that happened. Uh and uh, yeah, it was very frightening. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it it has been a I would say one of the few points of, the, of frustration that from our point of view is people have doubted the the strength of Metroplex and to some degree Devastator, mm-hmm. uh, and we knew that they were they were good out of the box. They were much they were much more competitive when you tuned those decks, and um, it is gratifying to see people we, putting in that time to play test these upgraded versions of the 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 decks and. Um, and, you know, do well with them. Oh, yeah. I mean, Metroplex, um, I don't do this on purpose. I'm about to say I had the deck stack against him. Um, in uh-huh. that, like, you know, a lot of people see the giant card and think, is this just a, you know, set designed to sell a giant card? And it was a real pleasant uh, discovery to find out that, like, no, that's a, it's he's, he's not only a very viable character, but he's an entirely unique play style as well. And having run... Uh, some Devastator games, uh, yeah, I mean, Devastator, I think, is even more... Over- the idea of anyone doubting Devastator after playing it once is is odd to me, because you just have to run that... You can run the pre-con once. Uh, you probably will discover, oh, you get the Tower to 9 really fast, and, mm-hmm. you know, then you, you put together your, your Tower 9, Tower 10 Devastator, uh, and it, even if you don't win the game, it's an incredibly good feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, there's that big womp-womp moment when... Uh- when Devastator combines and you just remove a whole bunch of damage. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, I'm still trying to learn Devastator because his rhythm is just so so odd to me. And I have the tower thing. My, my brain has a lot of trouble keeping up with multiple simultaneous mechanics, I've discovered, uh, when I'm running Devastator. And I start thinking, I get worried with how st- I, I start snapping a little bit um, in stating what I'm doing. But I think to myself, like, I'm not actually mad about the game. I'm just in a very intense, focused mindset because I'm trying to remember to do all of these things to keep the tower going. Uh, De- Devastator is a very uh, uh, deck to play. 
Um, and it's 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 funny because a bunch of the complexity looks like it's coming from the tower, and there definitely is that that element there. But there's a significant amount of complexity that comes from being able to play six characters. Oh, um, absolutely. I, I've changed my initial thoughts on how to tweak his deck just from playtesting and realizing, like, you know, the number of times I would simply need to swing in with three characters at once because my opponent is tapped out. Uh, and, and how much that changes my expectations of what's going to happen. Or another odd one, I found that when my opponent wasn't able to to knock out my Constructicons one after another, it actually would flummox me a bit because I was so, I, I was so relying on that to build the tower uh, mm-hmm. that I would get stuck for a few turns because I'd sit there looking at all these surviving Constructicons were ready to combine, but my tower is at six, and I sit there saying, I want it to be higher, and then I'd actually get a little bit lost. Uh, for a couple turns, yeah, uh, six, five wide and six wide um, teams gain a significant amount of power just from that number of characters, and mm. um, they also add a ton of decision making uh, points to the game that that can make the game a you know a little bit more complex than your average, even more than your average game. Oh, yeah, and, and I'll just throw it out there. Like, anyone who's listening to this who plays, like, current standard or modern Magic the Gathering is probably laughing their head off about me talking about my, you know, I can barely keep up with these two mechanics. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's it's a fun exercise for me because I also feel like it's getting easier every time I run the deck, and, and I'm, I'm enjoying that. Practice makes perfect. Yeah, get in, get in my deck reps. It's one of my favorite pieces of lingo I learned. Just quickly going back to Fuel Cash, though. Aaron, anything else you want to throw in about Fuel Cash or just the three-pip notion? I'm glad to see the three pips filled out. Yeah, it's satisfying. Yeah. Wait, very early on, seeing that space and being like, ooh. So so getting to see the payoff is is exciting. And this, like, you know, if again, building strongly balanced, and especially if you've got, you know, matrixes, matrices of leadership, matrixes of leadership, how do you pluralize that? Um, where you've already got two colors on it, you know, you could have a white green and then whatever else and a whole lot of card advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, Te- technically, it would be Matrix of Leaderships because Matrix of Leadership is the name of the object that is the card. So you have three Matrix of Leaderships. leaderships. Yeah, but Leaderships is. is I know not it a sounds terrible. That's why, that's why I kind of like yeah. it. Uh, um, <laughs> but it, it's definitely something that I like the the action that makes you think about the design space around it and what you're doing not just like oh i'm going to play a fuel cache so i can draw a fuel cache well that doesn't actually get you anything yep and uh also just the the notion that you know okay three pips really is a thing also as of this wave there are five pip colors yes Mm -hmm. and uh and like when i was making the first version of, of my slipstream grapple deck uh it was actually really fun when i was just saying to myself i will just make a stack of every multi pip card and with wave two realizing just how many of those there are uh Granted that the first version of the, that deck ran really badly because I didn't actually think about the cards. I was just thinking about the pips, and then I got stuck a few times. But it's been a fun one I've been I've been working on. Like I don't think it's going to be a, a brutal, you know, double primes killer of a deck, but it's it's just very fun. Um, I, I like I've it. been enjoying playing Grapple. Yeah, and uh, also in our local group, we always meet new people who we then can explain Solar Storm Grapple to, um, <laughs> which is a, a thing from. Uh, I forgot if we talked to you about it, but that was that was the name he had uh, when he was released as a toy in like 2011, I believe. Oh, I, yeah, we had the Grapple discussion because remember we were talking about how Grapple, was my favorite character as a kid. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, someone someone was was asking us about why we keep saying Grapel and Solar Storm when it's not written on the cards. We'd explain the thing to them, and then they'd say, "Wait, so they put Solar Storm in front, but then also changed his name to Grapel?" And we're like, "Yeah, you know, sometimes things get a bit a bit nuts." But yeah, uh, those are our uh, card spoilers. Uh, so I'll just say right I here. Got, thank. Oh, go I got ahead. one more one more bit about fuel cash. Um, oh, all right. So all of the battle cards in War for Cybertron Siege One and Two are brand new art created by Wazi. Um, oh yes, excellent. Okay, and so uh, for for fans of IDW, IDW comic art will return in future sets. Um, here, somewhat somewhat because of timing, somewhat because we wanted to to flex our art muscle here um, and make some very specific stuff. Uh, we did all the battle card art, um, and uh, in this particular piece, sort of just like hinting at the world we're living in. You know, it's it's a really terrible sign. The Autobots have to hide Energon and sort of graffiti their little like Ener- rebel Autobot symbol on the wall. Just throwing their tags yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, you know, the world is this world Cybertron is not in a happy place right now. Yeah. Well, and, and a, just a quick question bouncing off that. Um I'm not sure how much it's in your purview, but once once the set is out, once the cards are all are all spoiled and then released, uh, is it going to be cool for the artists who worked on them to to pop up and go like, "Hey, I worked on this card and this card." Absolutely. All right, then I, I'd like to encourage the artists who worked on them to please pop up and say, "I worked on this card and this card," so I can get going on making a chart. <laughs> so, if you look at the credits document, uh, the, the credits doc, mm-hmm. we, we list the, the folks who worked on art. We just don't put it on the cards because that's sort of how Transformers does it, and we are Transformers. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I like on on a fan end. Like my goal, I, I don't have the wherewithal to do it myself because it's it's like it's the kind of thing that I, I would happily delegate to someone. <laughs> but I, I'm I'm hoping that uh, the fan base can can put together an Excel sheet and start just matching up like you know, for instance, the IDW panels. Like this card is this panel from this issue with this artist, etc. Uh, that's something I would love to see on like a fan wiki. Um, it's something that I absolutely would not be able to do myself because I know that I don't have the wherewithal or the willpower, but if it could just manifest somehow, I'd be so happy. <laughs> um, I, I, I can say that the battle card art done by, um, Volta Creations, now, now a studio of keywords, um, mm-hmm. and under the art direction of, uh, Sarah Petteri Duchier. Oh yeah. No, Sarah, Sarah's good people. Um, she's also very good at Twitter. Uh, yeah, and uh, definitely yeah. like worst case, I don't know. Maybe I'll just I'll, I'll poke her on Twitter, go like, "Hey, <laughs> I have a Google Doc. Can you can you look at it?" Um, um, and I and I'm pretty sure she did some of the the battle cards. Oh, I'm really hyped about that. I I love Sarah's art. Uh, Till All Are One is is personally my favorite piece of Transformers fiction ever made. Um, and and Sarah's art in it was a huge part of it. So I'm uh, I'm I'm always happy to get more Sarah Peter Duchet Transformers art. I am a big fan of 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 Sarah's art. So and and her art direction was spot on. Oh yeah, I mean, even when we get packaging art on these cards, like the current state of Transformers packaging art is they're all like paintings, uh, and I'm really happy to to get those outside of the realm of toy packaging. Yeah. Um, like even when Wave One came out, like one of my biggest fist pumps before I even played the game was finally physical copies of all of that art Marcelo did way back for that mobile game that kind of just disappeared. And there's 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 plenty of Marcelo art in here. Marcelo is is back doing character cards. Dan is back. We've got a bunch of people. Excellent, nice. excellent. 
Now, Mar- Marcel is one of my favorite art folks. Um, I'm, I'm really happy he's he's getting so much work uh, relevant, um, you know, past or future to the game. Yeah. The uh, so the the Wizards art director for Transformers, Shanna Duncan, uh, just showed me three pieces that Marcelo just sent for uh, Wave uh, Wave Four uh, Siege Two. Um, mm-hmm. Always happy to see his stuff coming. Uh, that's excellent. I mean, I, the logistics of it are always crazy um, and often unrealistic, but I'll always throw out there, like, if someday in the future it is possible to, like, assemble a, a saleable art book of a lot of this stuff, I know a lot of people would be right into it. Um, the, the nature of Transformers, I think, makes it difficult, but I like to just put the notion out there. Heard and understood. And yeah, that those are our uh, our four spoiler cards. Uh, that takes us into into the back end of this, uh, this little podcast. Um... Aaron, I want to pass over to you for a second. Uh, have you got anything else you want to say about our spoiler cards or anything you want to just throw in about uh, what you've been seeing for Wave 3? No, I've been excited uh, again by Wave 3 for the more ways that things are opening up. Um, you know, the also the... Not the Battle Master, the other small cards that I'm pulling the blank. Micro Masters. The Micro Masters right now. Wow, it's a long day. Um, I like seeing direct... Uh, tap effects. Oh yeah, the tap uh, abilities as, as well. Um, that is that is something that I think is interesting that will again change kind of the rhythm of that play, like what you know that Thrust RC Blitzwing deck does. Of yeah, he's there, but he's not doing what you think he is. He's just stacking other numbers on. So yeah, exactly. The the tap abilities on MicroMasters add in this this very interesting dimension. Um, they, they, I mean, they all cost you something. At the very least, they cost you not attacking with the micromast, right? Right. Mm-hmm. During that site, that cycle of of tapping and untapping, uh, mm-hmm. they allow us because they have that kind of inherent cost to do some cool things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I had a quick question: the the tap ability because it's it's basically now it's one of the things you can do in the pre attack phase mm-hmm. uh, where you get Correct. one per turn. Um, Correct. I can't remember if you guys actually answered this already. Uh, ready for action. Does that allow a second tap ability, or are they a hard, like, just one per turn? So it is one per turn. So you could ready for action and then attack. You, so, so you could tap a battle master and then ready for action, and because you can do those in the, you know, action in any, in any order you choose. Mm-hmm. And then at the mm-hmm. end of the turn, attack with it, the battle master. That's totally cool, but you can't tap it a second time for your use okay. tap ability. Okay, yeah, because like when when one is playing, you know, multiple upgrades, multiple actions, those are off of cards or abilities that are quite literally saying play an action, play an upgrade. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like untapping a character does not inherently imply you can do another tap, uh, another tap action. No, it does not. All right, awesome. It's also one of the reasons why that why a re- swap parts going away and is not a one to one replacement with Rick. Yeah. Hmm. That's that's what I figured. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to clarify it. Uh, also, again, being wizards, it's fun to just see the tap symbol. Hey, we we get to use it. it was really cool for us uh, <laughs> to design a way into the game for us to use the tap symbol. <laughs> so um, now now we just need to get a battle. Uh, maybe I'm not going to say whether or not one's in there because I'm, I'm not sure if that's in an upcoming spoiler. Uh, but this means we're one step closer to having the Transformers TCGs. Tim, if we can get someone with a tap ability to do one damage. Uh, then we're set. We've got Tim. Oh, I can't. I can't remember if we have somebody who does that in in any of the upcoming sets. Can, can if if you have someone who does it, and and it's or if, if you haven't done it yet, is there any way to make Prodigal a military title that they can have? 
So we have to run that one by Hasbro. <laughs> I mean, they, sure. it's within I'm the purview sure of a wizard's it. property. It's <laughs> you just make it so that's in the Cybertronian behind. It's the one card where the Cybertronian's not the card name. Yeah, <laughs> it's just Prodigal. Uh, oh, oh, S- sort of. I just looked through. I just looked through the the set list. The answer is sort of. Okay. Okay. I mean, it'll be up to us, the fans, to make sure to refer to that character as Prodigal, then military title, then their name. No, just that—that um, that just becomes Tim. I—I uh, don't care who the Transformer well, is. You, no, you got to leave the name. You got to leave the title in. It's gonna be General Tim or Private Tim. Yeah. So let's put a star on this conversation and come back to it. <laughs> <Character> yeah. <laughs> is is, is um, revealed because I absolutely want to hear you say that full thing with the character's name. I'm so hyped to say the full thing with the character's name. I'll keep an eye out. <laughs> um, going uh, into the, the back end of this, uh, I didn't want to bring up uh, briefly, because I, I bring it up all the time because I am located here, so I like to, to touch base on this. Uh, we recently, through our retailers, got some Canadian release dates for uh, not just Wave 2, but also Devastator and the new starter deck. Uh, and I wanted to, to give a quick thanks for getting the new... St- I mean, obviously, it's not like you guys are personally moving stuff into place. There's a whole lot of factors at work, but uh, when we all... I, I mean, it, it takes a long time because we have to uh, to walk it up. Some of us needed to get passports. Yeah, I know. And, and passports <laughs> take a couple weeks, but uh, seeing the new starter deck be one of those things that are coming out in Canada on that May 31st date, roughly... Uh, is suddenly putting an enormous amount of optimism into the Canadian community that we quite literally had been losing for the last couple of months. Yeah, uh, I, we heard you and we saw that. Um, you know, there's there's been a lot of speculation as to why why does it take a longer time to release in Canada? And I mean, with, there, there are details I can't go into, but like people have pretty mm-hmm. much, you know, there are a few people who have identified it, and they have to do with language and import restrictions. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think we've got we're getting better at it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've I've laid out to some folks that like my understanding of just factories as someone who pokes people for info a lot in the toy side of things is that factories tend to fall under what one could refer to as trade secrets that literally are just not shared to the public, and that's you know full stop. Correct. But seeing that the the second starter is something that is going to be hitting here with wave two is is like we we were all kind of joking about like hey maybe we'll get wave three this year, but now it seems like. You know, it, it, it's, it's it's the optimism uh, today really spiked in the local uh, area. Fantastic, because you are absolutely going to see Wave Three this year, and that's not a euphemism for December. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we'll find we'll find out once the date is something that can be shared. And I, I mean, outside of this podcast, I have theories on how those dates come about uh, and how they are not readily available months ahead. But that's just my theories based on stuff that I think would then eventually become trade secrets. So I don't want to like start going into that with, you know, Drew sitting right here. Um, that's a flathead screwdriver that I that that's a Phillips head screwdriver thing. That's that's a bit too violent. But uh, also one other thing going off of that, the the new starter deck. Yes. Bumblebee versus Megatron releasing in Canada, 31st of May and in the United States, the US, uh, May 3rd. Yeah. Um, how are we going to see a deck list for that soon? Do you think? I think we can, uh, we can get one of those up on pretty soon. All okay. right. 
it's I have questions about the contents of that, but a deck list would basically answer most of those questions. So I don't uh, if a deck list is on the way, I don't really want to poke too much about it. Um, yeah, we'll we'll definitely show a deck list at some point before launch. All right, awesome. Cool, cool. Um I I guess just quickly, like is it is it a deck that's gonna be splittable like the first starter deck, or is it going for a different approach? So it's 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 even more designed to be splittable than the first. So one of the, we, we did a couple of things with Bumblebee versus Megatron, and the reason why it, it so originally it, the second starter deck was um, going to come out day and date with Rise of the Combiners, mm-hmm. uh, but we saw people's feedback from and that's that was players and retailers and distributors all three from the first starter deck, the Autobot starter set, and so we made some fairly radical changes to the starter deck, which pushed it out uh, in the the pipeline. Uh, the okay. first one was we included Decepticon characters. Um, mm-hmm. The second one was that we um, included a uh, printed rules document Good. rather than just pointing directly to online or to play videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third change um, was that we emphasized the the nature of its splitability into two decks. Um, one of the things that people who were teaching others gave us as feedback pretty regularly is that there was no clear way like to split the Autobot starter deck. Like, Yes, most people were like, ah, you should probably get Bumblebee and I'll get Optimus. And then after that, there was like, sometimes you got Ironhide and sometimes you didn't. So by having two Autobots and two Decepticons, we kind of killed two birds with one stone there. And then the oh, deck yeah. itself would be more easily split as well. Um, and then the third, the last thing that we did is it has a lower price point than the Autobot starter set. Oh, okay. Okay. No, I, I hadn't seen any, any of the price points yet, so that's uh, that's news to me. So in the United States, the auto, the Autobot starter set was had an MSRP of fourteen ninety nine. Bumblebee versus Megatron is twelve ninety. Oh, excellent! I, I guess this is like one quick question that is sort of decklist related, but I'm just curious because the Autobots and Decepticons kind of come out to equal star uh, counts. Mm-hmm. Um, is it basically if one were to run that as one deck, is it a twenty four star deck? Uh, that one. Let's wait till the the decklist comes out. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I will say I am really excited about a deck that is that is hard oriented towards being split uh, because I did a few demos. I, I ran a few demos of the game at, at TFCon. I the weekend after I went back to my hometown in Victoria, B.C. Uh, for Capital City Comic Con and ended up running a lot of demos there because the folks who were going to be demoing uh, were shorted all of their starter sets by their distributor. Um, oh, thank you for doing that. Step in, by the way. Well, basically, me and, and three friends who were all equipped to play the game showed up and said, hey, where's the Transformers TCG stuff at? They said, oh, sorry, we can't give you any demos. We only have boosters. And we said, oh, no, we play. What do you mean you don't have any starters? They explained the situation. And we said, do you mind if we just sit at your table and play and give demos if people ask? And they said, yeah. Um, and so I, I ran the, the the first, the Autobot starter deck a whole lot of times. Uh, got into I found a decent storytelling thread to do. It was just cars versus trucks. Uh, it, it led to decently balanced games if I threw them a little bit. Um, but having like a really clear delineated Autobot Decepticon thing, I think is going to like the storytelling part of it oddly really hooks people in and yeah, being it, able to do that more clearly, I think will. Mm-hmm. That's you're absolutely right. We saw that as well. Um, yeah. I've, I've taught a bunch of people using that uh, and it was necessary for us to make those upgrades before releasing the second starter. And that mm-hmm. was, that's why it was a little bit delayed past, uh, rise of the combiners. Okay. Yeah, like I, I like in case people are wondering, or I'll just throw it out here because it's it's my little story and I want to share it. It it was basically I would sit someone down and I'd just say, "All right, quick question: cars or trucks?" 
And if they said what, I'd just say, just, just do you like cars or trucks? Some of them would look at the table and catch on. Whatever the case, I'd say, all right, here's the story. Optimus Prime and Ironhide are, are just chilling out, talking about how much cooler trucks are than, than cars. And <laughs> it was really rude because, like, Ironhide is, you know, one of Optimus's right-hand men. But, like, Bumblebee is one of his left-hand men, and he was standing right there. And they were talking about him like he wasn't even there. So Bumblebee went to get Red Alert, told Red Alert all about what they were saying about cars. Red Alert's a little bit kooky. So basically, uh, they're, they're driving in to, to learn these trucks a thing or two. Um, and the nature of Red Alert, of course, being a glass cannon character, eventually would lead to someone equipping him with grenade launcher and always going for Optimus Prime nine times out of ten. Yeah, because he's talking trash. So then I would just tell them when they hit Optimus Prime for an enormous amount of damage that I would always say, all right, so Red Alert just just delivered a lariat to Optimus Prime's face and flipped him over. Uh, Optimus Prime is unconscious. Um, <laughs> you just you just decked you just decked the leader of the Autobots in the face. Uh, good job, and people enjoyed that. I found um, it's a very storytelling uh, storytelling a very storytelling friendly uh, game, especially in demos. So I got to think of I got I mean it's a lot more obvious when it's Autobots versus Decepticons, but I got I got to think of some really low but intense stakes for that fight. Uh, um, I think that was that was a great way to to do the setup for the. It's, it's it's a lot of fun, especially when a lot of kids are looking at the game. Um, mm-hmm. But then I also had one kid. He had to be maybe ten years old at at most, uh, with a very smart fedora. And when I said cars or trucks, he said, oh, "I want to pick this character and this character." And I was like, "You sure?" And he's like, "No, I play these games." <laughs> and, and, I, and I thought, oh, I'm gonna. I thought, oh, that's cute. This kid is. He plays these games. So, so you just turn out, turn around, take off the gloves. All right, what are we doing now? So I, I ran kid gloves on until we got three turns in, and I sat there saying, "This kid knows how to play these games." <laughs> so I decided, you know what? I, I had a perfect double KO turn set up to kill to take out both of his characters at once, and I decided, you know, he'll probably appreciate this. So I, I wiped his board in one turn with a plasma burst and an attack, and he completely dug it and wanted to play three more games. So I made the right call there. I didn't make someone cry, cool. but yeah, that that kid was like, "No, I play Magic." And I thought for a second maybe he was a little bit, you know, full of himself. But no, turns out he actually just plays magic. That hat was not a joke. That was a, <laughs> a very talented young man. Um, but uh, yeah, that like I said, that solves my, uh, my my remaining check marks. I wanted to talk about Canada. I wanted to talk about the new starter deck. Yeah, I guess we're just we're rolling through spoiler season. Um, you all over in Seattle must be enjoying watching the speculation. Oh, I'm loving it. Uh, so. One one last question for you guys. Okay, so who do you hope that we have bringing into Siege who you know is or believe to not be in the title line? I'm going to not say my usual answer. I know your usual answer. Yeah. But, you know, alternate art is a thing now with those promo cards you guys are doing. We can just do up, you know, nice <laughs> pink and turquoise spring. That's that's a thing on the table, I'm sure. Yep, uh, yep. I'll pass over to Aaron, actually, to go first here. Uh, oh, sure you are. Thanks. <laughs> generously i will pass the baton over to aaron i will say i'm doing it in a somewhat stilted and slow way to give him time to think i'm trying to do him favors not in not in siege uh i'd I'd like to go back to see some headmasters maybe but that seems like a completely separate wave yeah that's that's an entirely different gimmick so (laughs) i think that would be a separate wave so yeah Yeah. so what i'm asking is if you wanted to be if you wanted us to to bring a a character into the sort of cybertronian look and feel of siege who would that be i got one uh he's niche so i'll I'll say that up front uh i'm actually quite a big fan of rick um 
Rapido. I almost said Ricochet. Rapido was oh. a, a European character um, who has a gorgeous color scheme of turquoise and red. Uh, he is a really cool sports car. Uh, he got some interesting characterization in Transformers Club Fiction, but Rapido uh, is just a, it's a childhood toy of mine from uh, from the European era of G1. Um, and he, he's, a, he's one of those cards where, much like Flame War, Flame War turned out to just be an amazing jack-of-all-trades five-star character, but Rapido is another character where, on site, I would probably just try to, to bull-force Rapido into decks, so I could say I'm running a Rapido deck. Okay. That's what I'll throw out there. Huh. Oh, he's one of the accelerators. Yeah. I that was one of those huhs I don't know how to take. I don't know how to take that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did. I did a a quick quick look because I did not know. I was not familiar with Rapido offhand. Mm. Those colors, though, right? That 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 combination of greeny blue and and red is a thing. Yeah, that that sure is. Wow. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the pink the pink translucent highlights are important and do need to be there. But um, wow, indeed. Wow, that's some generation two color scheme. Yeah. Yeah. Euro G one is the true generation two. Yeah, oh, oh, and there was a BotCon version of Rapido, too. Yeah. yeah. With a bunch of other G2 or Euro colored dudes. Like me and was, three people wasn't are the Pyro ones. in there, too? Yeah, Py- Pyro with, was in uh, there. With what was it? The Delusions of Being Prime or yeah, whatever? Yeah, at the time, a lot of me and a couple people were joking that the G2 BotCon set is full of European G1, but then me and those couple people are the only ones who really slam a hand on the table saying it's Euro G1, not G2. So <laughs> we're in the minority. <laughs> all right, all right. I, I, don't think, I don't think you're going to be happy. I, <laughs> the fact that you looked him up makes me happy, is what I'll say. <laughs> I've I've seeded if I can seed at least the notion of both Rapido and Omega Spream S P R E E M into the minds of the folks working on this game, I feel like I've done my job. Okay. How about a punch counter punch? That's an interesting one. Um uh stay tuned. Okay. Oh, I have a I have another Me- I have another question that just reminded me. It's a total stay tuned question, but I should probably ask it. Go for it. Pull for out it. the screwdriver. Okay, flathead screwdriver. It's not a Phillips head, it's a flathead. It's a simple well, one. Well, I mean, the, the Phillips head screwdriver is not particularly useful for opening doors. or. No, the Phillips head screwdriver is for just, that, that's for violent home invasion. That, that's, that's, that's the stabby one. <laughs> that's the one that we don't use when we talk to people that we like. Uh, flathead screwdriver question. Are there any folding cards in Wave 3? Are there any folding cards in Wave 3? No, there are no folding cards in Wave 3. All right. That will answer several questions. Yes, it does. It does answer several questions. (laughs) For example, there are no triple changers in Wave 3, and there are no combiners. in. They would need to be folding cards in order to be Mm -hmm. those. Definitely. Uh, Folding cards still on the table, though, at some point? Yes, absolutely. Cool. Um, That that satisfies me. That will be an occasional thing that Transformers TCG dips back into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's not gonna. It's not an every set thing, but it is a. Hey, that's a that's a tool in our toolbox when we need to represent characters in the best way, like combiners or triple changers or you know other cool ways we could use three sided cards. Yeah, yeah. We, will use, I, we will use that tool. I will say in casual show offs of the card game, the folding card tech on showing that to somebody has invariably gotten a wait wait what the like. 
go from being like, okay, whatever, it's another way, huh? Yep. And, you know, there's been a lot, I, I see this a lot. I see it on your boards. I see it on the group. There's, there's a lot of discussion about, is it worth it to have these um, different size cards and the folding cards? And the success that we've seen from this game um, in, in a world that is crowded with card games, that kind of reaction where people stop and look and where people mm-hmm. say, that's different. I didn't imagine that. The answer has been pretty definitively, yes, it was absolutely worth it. Oh, yeah. I mean, as far as like eye catching, it, it's without a doubt a combiner coming together makes people playing commander pods on the other side of the room all kind of you know at least glance at us uh, before they go back to politicizing amongst themselves. Um and and also, I feel like whenever whenever the question comes, like you know, at least with Wave Two, so it's the one time the question came up of what do we do about the durability, or you know, do I want to keep folding the things? The, the the players eventually figure out the way to to just have them as static cards, be it with a sliding thing on top or, or whatever. Yep. Um And and so I think it kind of it kind of solves itself. And and like you know, in Wave Three, the new technically there is a new a new physical thing in Wave Three for Transformers, which is a. Uh, a standard size card with a holographic side. I mean, that's not new at all in the field of card games, but for the game, it is right. Yep. Um, which, which leads like I have the speculation uh, that that uh, I'll just throw into the wind uh, is I, I feel like right now, like Wave Three, as as you've mentioned, it is still we're still building the status quo in in a sense. Uh, I feel like there is going to at some point be a set where. Um, you know, we might see, still see a mechanic or two pop up, but I feel like we're we're getting closer to the set that just takes everything done before, and then just take takes all of these different unique ideas that defined previous waves, and just says, let's turn them all about ninety degrees slightly, and just make a set that is tweaked stuff that we already have in our our utility belt. So I, I, I that is there. You're definitely on the right track for some future for uh, sets. I wouldn't say that it is all in one set. I think that mm. many of the tools that we're putting into the toolkit, like small size uh, character cards, um, like folding cards, have one or more interesting applications that are big enough to sustain, um, you know, some chunk of of a set. Mm. Uh, I, I don't think that we would we would specifically have a set that does a lot of that twisting all together. There, it would always be a mix of. I imagine, and I'm projecting here, but into the future, that it would be a mix of some a little bit of new stuff and some of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of that's kind of what I'm thinking is, or at least a set where, like, sometime in the future, there's going to be a set where we have like three or four completely different physical styles of card, except the thing that's interesting is what's written on them, not the actual cards. Right. Because they'll all have already been introduced, we'll gotten used to them. Like, there's going to be a point in this game, ideally, where folding cards come out and the community doesn't say, ooh, folding cards. They say, oh, I wonder what these ones fold into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, also, I, I forget I'd throw out there, I don't think I ever talked to you guys since Wave 2 came out. Did you see the, that I, did, did you guys ever get to see that video I did where I was, I was durability testing that hinge on that card? Sure did. That was the Mirage, right? Wait, yeah. Was anybody physically cringing as he was doing it? No, because we had all done similar things. Okay. Uh, that was a very familiar ex- exercise to us. My boss, uh, the, the, the director of the group that I that the Transformer TCG is part of, um, he, he is legendarily known for doing stuff like that. And <laughs> Did you guys test any of that with teeth? We did not chew on the card. No. 
Um, they are non-toxic, I believe. Uh, so that you know, but nevertheless, don't chew on the cards. Yeah, don't um, eat cards. Uh, <laughs> doesn't do a great thing for the deck. Off the flip. Um, but no, no, uh, Charlie. That's the, the my director's name. Um, he would take the cards and just basically do what you did in front of executives because everybody had the same questions. Like, is this durable enough? And mm. we wanted to show that yes, you know, we, we did our due diligence and QA did its job. Yeah, and it, it's a it's a I fascinating discussion, like where where it always will like for for I think for good reasons at the, in the core of it, but the goalposts will always move and move in the discussion, especially on you know the durability of the wave two folding cards when they were new to us. And at one point, it was kind of like, well, if I fold it backwards on the hinge, it'll break. And yes. I remember thinking, like, yes, it will. So don't. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right. There, there, there was there were a couple of. You know, we, we were following the discussion very closely, and um, there were a couple of frustrating uh, points where people were effectively saying, if I do this thing to destroy the card, it will get destroyed. And man, yeah. that sucks. It, it doesn't stand up to bolt cutters. I mean, what are you guys yes. doing? Yeah. Right? Like, like, I can't fold it in half the opposite direction. Mm. Well, and there, there was a discussion based off bouncing off of that, which was again my newbiness to a, a lot of the tabletop scene. It, it turns out this actually had some roots, but someone was like, it, "It's real easy if someone gets mad, they could just reach over and rip your card in half if it's a folding card." And I remember th- saying, "Like, well, yeah, I could go and rip a card in half if if I get real mad, then I'm going to get thrown out of the shop if I reach across the table and rip my opponent's card in half." Uh, and it turns out there's an entire one of the, the quote unquote three pillars games uh, that might have three syllables in its name. Oh, wait, they both do. But um, it apparently had the local scene for it was known for people getting mad and messing with each other's cards. So I said, well, that's less of a problem of the folding card and more a problem of the humans involved. <laughs> but uh, yes, that's not something we can protect with. I guess you could put them into, uh, you know, super hard sleeves. Yeah. Like top loaders or. <laughs> I mean, the way my brain worked is I, I was thinking, well, if we're worried about someone reaching over or getting mad, reaching over and ripping one of my characters in half, uh, or at what point are we worried about someone reaching over, grabbing any number of the things I have on the table and hurling them out the window mm-hmm. or, you know, bouncing off what we were just talking about, trying to physically consume them in a fit of rage? Uh, <laughs> weird question. Again, I'm new to tabletop. Y'all ever had that problem over just Wizards games in general of people just trying to eat the opponent's deck or, or you know... Uh, in D and D, like their their character sheet, someone's getting really mad, just cramming that thing down their mouth. Like, you mean at the office? No, or or you know at events? I don't know. I, I'm new to I'm new to tabletop. <laughs> I mean, I, tabletop I, players are a pretty friendly bunch, and I, I yeah, there have always been in any group of people who are coming together for their hobby. There are some people who not play by the the sort of socially acceptable rules, and oh, every mm. hobby has its way of dealing with that. So. But the, the great thing about the tabletop community is that it is welcome community, and respectful and friendly. I, I will say, like I, I know that MTG way back in the mid ninety or early nineties uh, opened up with the notion of anti, and I, I will say, if anyone wants to really like just really intimidate me, if y'all will play some Transformers TCG, um, like I'll call them hard games, where the winner also eats the opponent's deck physically. You know, like obviously we don't condone it because that's dangerous. But also, if you do it, like, yo, you're really cool. Like, I, I would, I would definitely kowtow to a player who's like, I'll eat your cards. Uh, just straight faced. I, I wouldn't recommend. That. No, I mean, obviously, you shouldn't eat cards. Uh, there's one, one last thing that I wanted to, to just 
say to all of the, the folks listening today. Um, so the promo kit for in-store play is still available up until the sign-off. The cutoff date for stores to sign up for it is uh, April 22nd, which probably means that there's a couple of days left. And um, it is, while supplies last, um, have your stores register for this. Get one sent. It's uh, Wizard sends that to stores while, while supplies last. Um, and that contains uh, a bunch of cool promo cards. We've shown um, Smashdown, the Battlemaster, and there's uh, mm-hmm. that's for the release day event. And there's just three more promos in there um, that support in-store play. So if you you guys have been fantastic, you two, Aaron and Chris, have been fantastic oh, helping Aww. build community. Um, and uh, the listeners to, to the, the cast, um, if you are looking to start community in your local game store, this is a great way to provide a little bit of incentive for your store owner or manager to sign up and start supporting play in the store. And I, I said this on, on Twitter. I'll throw it out here also. I... Uh... The toy of Smashdown, I already really like, so seeing that he gets to have that kind of top-level promo card spotlight uh, you know, gave me a little bit of glee. Uh, it was nice to see. So I need to check on this, but I am almost positive that Smashdown she. Oh. Oh. That works. That works. Uh, then she is uh, pro- actually legit my favorite Battlemaster uh, figure that I've seen so far, so that that is super cool. Because um, I, I think there's a certain... There's a certain hardcoreness to like physically turning into a hammer that I can respect. Yeah, right. I love that battle. Um, I think that Battlemaster toy is uh, is absolutely fantastic design, and I cannot wait to get one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that again, like like I was saying about you know Rapido, like that that is the kind of card that I want to just force a deck around at least once, um, based on I think that that is a cool character card. You know, come to think of it. There's still there's um a little bit of the color scheme in common between Rapido and, and Smashdown there with the the blue horns and the, the sort of red body. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that, that you know in the far flung future I sure would like to equip Rapido with Smashdown. Uh but I'm cool if it doesn't happen. Uh it would it would just it would you know it would be a very color coded combination uh, if it were to take place. Also, I, I I actually I can't push Rapido this hard. I can't I, that Spream is the one I really have to back. But I'm glad that we talked about Rapido today. All right. Um, I guess anything else, Drew, on your end that you want to talk about uh, before we close this up? Only that is always a pleasure and to talk about new stuff. Oh, like likewise, yes. I love talking about new stuff. No, I appreciate you coming out here, and and I especially appreciate that you make me feel comfortable to you know, like I said, wiggle the flathead screwdriver around, talk about some weird stuff. Uh, it it feels like we're just having a regular podcast, which is the one of it's one of the the biggest things I can ask for talking to someone who's also in industry working on some aspect of you know Transformers media that we really enjoy. I you know that is that is one of the reasons why I enjoy being on the podcast. Um, you know, it, it is awesome to be able to talk both the game side and the the Transformers story and creative side. Um, and you guys have have uh, you know a vast knowledge of the the brand and the toys and the history. And it's, it's wonderful being able to point out like you know the little um, lesser known bits that we're trying to get across and, and talk about them. I mean, I'll, I'll clarify and say like we 
We definitely have a vast and wide knowledge, yeah. except when it comes to forearms. That is yeah, a, a demonstrable that's, that's, weakness that we both have. We got a big hole uh, in our knowledge there. We'll have to go uh, start pulling the wiki. We got to go mean, to Forearm University. <laughs> I mean, now that you have identified the hole in your knowledge, there's there's a path to fixing that. Yeah. True. <laughs> I got to do some forearm knowledge reps and uh, get all get all those Transformers forearms programmed into my brain. Um, well, I'm looking forward to seeing some more spoilers from this. I'm, I'm the most looking forward uh, to the the clearly improving and and hopefully still improving uh, path on Canadian release. Because uh, at the end of the day, like I, I I want my local scene to thrive. And like I said, today today's news uh, that we got from our retailers was a real big a real big boon. And uh, I'll, I'll throw out there too, uh, in case Canadian retailers don't don't know this. Anyone listening in Canada, if your retailer doesn't know this, it's in fine print on the WPN uh, page. Canadian retailers just have to be WPN stores. They, uh, in the fine print on that that Wave Three promo page, it says Canadian retailers are just going to get the promo stuff as long as they're WPN. So double check with your store and mention that to them, uh, and and tell them like, hey, if if you're not running Transformers, you ought to because you're going to get promo cards. If you do so, so to do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I really appreciate you guys spreading that message. It's an important initiative for us to help mm-hmm. onboard digital stores. It's one of the big things that we're doing right now, making sure that people who want to play Transformers have local game stores that they can play in. And mm-hmm. this is a big part of that. And especially if your local store, in, in, speaking to Canadians a lot here, if your local store is a scene of like you know five or six folks, uh, everyone wins having promo cards hitting the store right. uh you're all still gonna be playing for them but it's not like you're you're not facing you know the sheer numbers of an mtg event and it, it, it to me and in the local scene definitely we were all talking about it it just makes it a lot more exciting because it's, it's not like we're gonna have to beat each other up necessarily to get all these promo cards it's, there's gonna be lots to go around we're gonna be able to make fun events around them especially with those those uh, gold foil cards whatever they are yeah um and, whatever uh, they are can't wait to show them to the the to the public, um, yeah. you know, just speaking, speaking specifically about Canadian um, stores, every Canadian WPN store outside of Quebec is already go, is going to be automatically set the promo kit. So, for Canadian players, um, if your store is already signed up as a WPN store, it's on a, it'll be on its way. Um, for everywhere else in the world, um, the store has to specifically go and sign up for that. Uh, but mm. we've had some questions from stores who. Uh, wants to join this program but aren't already part of the WPN, they should they should just contact Wizards. Um, they want to run Transformers as uh, play in their store. Um, contact our customer support or retail support links on the webpage uh, for more information if they want to sign up for w- being WPN stores. And uh, and with that, uh, unless Aaron, if you have, do you have anything you want to throw in at the very end here? No. All right, then uh, I'll, I'll just say thank you again, Drew, and uh, and somewhere out there in the ether, the ghost of John, for joining us. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure as always. Hopefully we'll talk to you again the next time there's a, a cool thing happening. And to all of you listening, thanks for tuning in again, be it on YouTube or over at TFW directly. Uh, we do talk about the TCG stuff uh, in these dedicated podcasts. Uh, when, when me and Aaron are on a podcast, sometimes if we got new stuff, we'll talk about it here and there on the even-numbered episodes, too, if you want to go mm-hmm. and dig through some of those. But in the meantime, we will talk to you all later. Uh, thank you, Drew, uh, for Bye, our fourth time. Thank you again, guys. And uh, take it easy and stay safe. Yes. What the f-
the f*** it means, but you got some badass perpetrators that are here to stay.